Good morning. So it's corporate prayer time this morning. I just want to read um, a few scriptures to you. Um, 1 John 5 verse 11 says, And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. And John is then saying... Um, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. Just encouraging you to, 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 to see that God hears our prayers and he answers them. This morning um, I want to um, concentrate on the pastoral care aspect of prayer. Um, as a pastoral care team we have five things we think about a lot. And so today I'd like to pray about those things, not only for us as a, as a pastoral care team, but as for all of us who are nurturing and caring for each other. So let's pray. Father God, we come to you with prayers about caring for your people and caring for each other. Help us to be healers by helping to restore people to wholeness. Some people have been hurt in life and we ask that you help us to recognise that hurt so we can help the person move beyond their previous condition. Help us to be sustainers so we can help a hurting person overcome a circumstance in which restoration from their circumstance is either impossible or so remote as to seem improbable. At the same time, not forgetting, Lord, that everything is possible with you. Help us to guide people by assisting a perplexed person to make confident choices between alternative courses of thought and action when such choices are seen as affecting the present and the future state of human wholeness. Help us to reconcile people by always seeking to re-establish broken relationships between man and fellow man and between man and God. Help us to be nurturers so we can enable people to develop their potential throughout the journey of life with all its valleys, peaks and plateaus. Help us to counsel wisely. We thank you for your word. It is always our first point of reference. We thank you for the guidance of your Holy Spirit on whom we depend. Above all, help us to not lose sight of the big picture, the story of you, our God, and your creation that was lost and your work of restoring it to yourself. We do not want to lose sight of what you are doing in your kingdom. Thank you for the privilege of being kingdom workers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, let me change glasses. Otherwise I can't see you. Otherwise I can't see you. All right. I've been given this privilege at this moment in time. And Sam, would you mind coming up? That would be very kind of you, Sam. Um, do you see this picture up on the 
board, that is Sam at his ordination at the Christian Family Centre at Seaton. Standing next to him is his beautiful wife, and behind every good man is a good woman. As w- a very good woman. A very good woman, yes, that's very true, very true. So, Sam, we just want you to know that we understand that you've been through one heck of a journey because Pastor Bill is a master in excellence and he puts everyone through hoops. So we appreciate you've been through lots of hoops. Um, You've had so much responsibility. You've got six kids, a wife, a church. You've had to cope with um, COVID. I've seen your duct tape when we first were in the other building and all the work that took. That was hard work and we really appreciate what you did. And all the studies you've had to do and then we've had to change buildings as well. So if you're feeling a bit worn out, that's so understandable. So I want you to know that we love you, we respect you and we trust you. And the thing that I love most about you is your humanness because you're not afraid to just be you. There's no airs and graces. You are just you. And that makes us be able to be who we are and not feel guilty that we are human. You're always fair. That's what I love about you. You're so fair. And you're an encourager of people's gifts. We're all growing because you're an encourager. And we thank you so much. And we love your musical talents. So just know that we love you. And um, Dave's got another picture here of the actual part of the ordination. This is where um, Sam is um, being ordained. (laughs) So I just thought I'd bring those pictures today because I know it was a Wednesday morning and a lot of you are at work. So, Sam, we love you. And we want to give you something. We have two trees here. They're fruit trees. Carol and um, and the McGarry's organised it. So they're apple trees. Um, There's a a card here that everyone has signed. Congratulations. And so people have been signing that. And we just see these trees as a symbol of your ministry, that as these trees grow and bear fruit, you're going to grow more and more and bear more and more fruit. So I know we love you. And thank you. Wow, uh, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, uh, one of the things I, uh, I think is, is, is important to do in, in the life of the church and something that I, I strive for is to uh, encourage people to uh, take ownership of ministry and to um, grow in, in their gifts and in their area of, of, of uh, life in the life of the church. And um, yeah, just, just seeing worship leaders step up Willie, seeing you step up in pastoral care, seeing Carol step up, seeing people being drawn into all that God's doing uh, is a wonderful privilege for me uh, as I lead you and as, a, as we uh, journey together. And so thank you so much for that. And feel free to do that whenever you want. That's fine. <laughs> um, in, in fact, look... Uh, this morning, I just want to just bring a, a message to you, and it's a message that really ties in with Dan's prayer this morning, ties in with what 
uh, Kathy was was sharing just before about the goodness of Jesus, and it really ties in, uh, Willie, with uh, what you just did then. Uh, and that is that the essence of this message is it's not about us, it's about him. Um, and when it comes to church, when it comes to gathering, when it comes to his family, when it comes to us coming together like this, um, you know, sometimes you say, oh, how's church? And, and we say, oh, you know, the music was good. The preacher, well, he was all right. Um, but do we ever come away going, wow, God was so good. Wow, I really experienced the presence of God this morning, that the Holy Spirit was just so amazing as he moved amongst us. And that's really uh, kind of really what I want to share this morning. In fact, the, the title of this message is Letting Jesus Pass You By. Now, you might look at that and think, uh, have you quite got that right? Yeah, there's something quite wrong here. We don't want to let like, opportunities pass us by. We want to take them by the, by the hand. Surely, we want to grab hold of everything that, that Jesus has for us. In fact, that's exactly what that phrase means, and I'm going to get into that a bit later on. So this morning um, really came to me late in the week. I had planned to... Um, preach on something different and I just just sensed that the Lord uh, wanted to to bring this message this morning. I remember um, a while ago uh, a colleague from another denomination uh, who's really good friends of ours came to to see Joe and I and she was quite distressed because uh, in their church at that time there was some uh, ethical and kind of social dilemmas that the church was going through and there was a bunch of young people who had a different mindset to that of the church. And she was greatly distressed and she was like, we've got to get them all together and we've got to open the word and we've got to, got to sort of show them the biblical perspective and, and sort of get them back online. These are people who have grown up in the church. How can they think these things? And um, really passionate about uh, wanting see, people to see the truth and, and, and who Jesus is. And, and, you know, the moral and social kind of understanding of what that means to live out our faith. And I remember my response, and it was kind of like, as I was saying it, it wasn't my words, it was like someone else speaking through me. And I said, you know what, no amount of argument, no amount of opening up scriptures, no amount of telling people no amount of looking back through history is going to convince these young people. Our, our role and responsibility is to create spaces where they intimately meet Jesus, where they encounter the living Jesus, and that in that relationship, in that intimacy, in that encounter, Jesus changes the heart. We can't do anything. It's Jesus that that, that changes us and, and aligns us with him. If Jesus is truly Lord in their lives, if tr Jesus is truly Lord, then they would submit themselves to him and that they would want to follow him and everything that Jesus has for them and everything that Jesus declares about life and about faith. It's not about what I think, ultimately. It's not about my preferences. You might disagree with me on many things. But ultimately, it's about what Jesus thinks and about what he has for our lives. And so I wanted to just draw that into this morning and just encourage us that you know, coming together, gathering as his family, 
should really be about encountering Jesus. It should be about coming every morning and just being in awe and in anticipation and longing and waiting for that touch, that tangible presence, that the reality that he is here and he has words to say, that he has things to do in our hearts, that he, he wants to meet with us, he wants to commune with us, he wants to be intimate, he wants to speak to us. You know, one of my very favourite Old Testament stories is the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. I used to say Mount Carmel, so if I say that accidentally, it's okay. Mount Carmel. Now, I remember as a young person and young, young people here uh, and young people watching online, I remember first time someone preaching on this story and going, are you serious? Is, is this kind of story in the Old Testament? Like, this is, an, this is like a Hollywood buster, like, you know what I mean? It, it is an amazing story of, of uh, conflict and power and, and challenge. And, and I remember thinking, wow, if that's in, like, what other amazing stories are there? So, so kids, pick up your Old Testament. It's, it's a great novel in a way and, and a great just story in terms of stories. But obviously God speaks through those stories. If you don't know the story, uh, Elijah was a prophet uh, in the time where uh, the, the kings who had, had followed um, after a good godly king had, had, had lost their ways and were turning people away from, from the Lord. And in fact, the time when Elijah was around, there was this king called King Ahab, and it says in the Bible that he did worse things than everyone before him. So it was a terrible time for the, for the people of Israel, for the people of God. And they were turning to these other ways. They were turning to these other gods, to these idols, uh, particularly uh, the god Baal. And they had hundreds and hundreds of prophets and, and turning people away from the true and living God. And Elijah is kind of this one guy. And, and they, they assemble on, on Mount Carmel. And uh, there's 450 against one. 450 these prophets, and they have this basically a contest. They have they try and say, well, who who is is the true God? Is it Baal or is it this prophet Elijah's God? And many of you know the story. Uh, they 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 choose to offer two sacrifices, and they they sacrifice a bull, and they have two altars, and they say the one that answers by fire is the true God. And so these prophets of Baal go first. And they dance around and they scream and they shout and they, they do all sorts of things. And, of course, there's no response because, you know, it's, it's a dead God. There's no such thing as, as Baal. And, and Elijah's sitting there taunting them and, and laughing, isn't he? He's like, maybe he's asleep. Maybe you need to shout a bit louder. And so they start cutting themselves and screaming and, and, and carrying on. It's this, this big commotion. And then... Prophet Elijah, he, he, it's his turn. And, and rather than just leave it like that, he completely wets uh, the altar and the wood and he digs a trench around and he fills that with water as well just to make it undeniable that what's going to happen isn't just some uh, circumstance, but it is an actual miracle and it is actually God doing something. And, of course, he prays. And he prays this amazing prayer and his words are this. He says... Answer me, Lord. Answer me. So that these people will, what will they do? They will know that you, Lord, are God 
and that you are turning their hearts back to them. I don't pray that you just do it to make me look not silly. I don't pray that um, you just you know, make, make a big spectacle and, and prove them wrong. I pray that they may know, that they may know that you are God. And so, of course, he prays and God answers by fire. The whole thing is consumed, even the water. And these 450 prophets, what's their response? It's here in 1 Kings 18. They say, when the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. See, what happened for these prophets is they had a mindset. They had a way of living that was perhaps against uh, the way that the Lord wanted them to live. And yet they had an experience. They had an encounter. There was something that was real and genuine and authentic that they could not deny. That was so real. And it caused them to turn their ways and declare, this God that Elijah talks about, he is the right one. He is Lord. And as I look at that story, I think, isn't that a great picture for our lives? That people look at our lives and they don't just see a a man or a woman, but they, they see something in us and they go, wow, the God of that person, they are real. Because there's a genuineness about it. And wouldn't, isn't it an amazing picture for our churches? That as people come into the, the life of our churches, as they, as they come and they experience all that God is doing, they walk away and they go, wow. There was something real. There was something genuine. There was something authentic happening there. I sensed God's presence. I sensed his realness. He was moving in that place, and it's undeniable. There's something real about that. Willie said to me just before, we love your humanness. Now, sometimes we can look at stories like that, and we can think, well, you know, there's nothing special about me. He was an amazing prophet. Uh, God was with him. I'm never ever going to amount to anything like that. Uh, God does amazing things through, through wonderful people, uh, through superstars of, of the gospel. No, God does things through amazing, through ordinary people because he's an amazing God. In fact, if you find any comfort uh, in this next verse from James 5, I certainly do. It says in James 5, Elijah was a human being <laughs> just like us. I think some of us need to hear that this morning. You've been talking to yourself and you've been saying, there's nothing special about me. I can't amount to anything in the kingdom. I have nothing to give. I'm not super special. I don't have those evangelistic, charismatic gifts. You know what? Elijah was just like you. But he believed in an extraordinary God. And can I encourage you this morning that if you're feeling like you're just, just someone who it doesn't feel like you've got what it takes. No one's got what it takes, but God's got what it takes. Trust in him. And I want to just share the next story to encourage you in that. Encourage us to step out of the boat. Yet another favourite 
uh, New Testament story now of, of Jesus walking on the water. Many of you know this story. I just want to just draw out a couple of, of, of things from this story. I want to first of all go to, to Matthew's version of this from Matthew chapter 14. Uh, they've just uh, spent some time, the disciples and Jesus, um, uh, ministering to huge crowds. And then it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat. I'm going to come back to that word insisted because I think that's important. Jesus insisted that the disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It is a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. There are so many things that we can talk about in this story, in this passage of Scripture. But what I want to do is just relate it to our theme this morning. You see, I think for Peter and the disciples, they were fishermen. And the boat represented what they were used to. It represents life that is comfortable. It represents life that is controllable. It represents life that is safe. And we all have our safety nets. We all have our, our boats that we come to, that we rely on, that we have control over. Yet Jesus, I feel in this, he says he instructed them to go out in their boats. And I believe knowing that the storm was going to rise and in doing so, telling them a very important lesson and that is, yes, our boats are sometimes comfortable and get us by, but there are things that happen in life that come out of the blue. There are storms in life that even well-seasoned fishermen cannot handle. And Jesus is, is saying, that safety net, that comfort, that's, that thing that you control, the, the way of life, the, the things that is just normal and everyday, that can't get you by. There's something more. Jesus says, come to me, Peter. Leave the safety of that. Come out to where you have never been before. Come and experience me in a way that you've never experienced me before. Come and open yourself up to the reality that there's more for your life than just being in a boat. There's more for your life because we together can do amazing things. And Peter actually walked on the water. If you never got out of the comfort of that boat, if you never got out of the, the safety of what he knew, of what he was comfortable with, he would never have experienced something that 
no one's really ever experienced. See, Jesus says, take courage. Don't fear, I'm with you. It reminds me of when Jesus comforts his disciples as he's about to go to the cross and he, and he promises the Holy Spirit. And in that passage in John uh, that we're very familiar with, he says, I'm going to send another, a comforter, to be with you. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. I'm going to send another, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, the comforter. And as I reflect on, on those words and the, the idea of the boat being the, the comfortable space that we're used to, I draw the comparison and ask the question, why do we need a comforter if we're comfortable? Why do we need the comforter in our lives? Why does Jesus promise it to us and say, don't worry, I'm, I'm, I'm offering you the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit, the comforter, if we're just in our boat and we're comfortable? Jesus is calling us to more. Jesus is calling us to experience him in a way that we would never be able to experience unless we step out, unless we actually take a move towards all that he has for us. There's, as of, I was uh, sort of looking at this passage of scripture, I, I like to look at the other, the gospel versions when there's more than one version of the story. And I went to, to Mark's version of this. It's only Matthew's version that Peter gets out of the boat. In Mark and John, Peter, uh, Jesus just comes walking on the water and says, don't be afraid. And so we like to go to Matthew because it's got the bit of Peter jumping out of the boat. But in Mark, there's actually a, a remarkable phrase that I just dwelled on for a long time. I was saying, what, what is the deal with that phrase? And it says this in Mark chapter 6, in his version, it says, He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. And it says this, he intended to pass by them. He intended to pass by them. And I was like, what, what was that? <laughs> Did Jesus mean to kind of like, hello, my baby, hello? <laughs> like, what, what, was, what was he meaning to like, like, I'm going to like walk past them. And, and they won't know that I'm there. What's that phrase mean? He intended to pass by them. And I scratched, scratched my head and I looked at commentaries and I, I looked at online. I'm like, what, what is this pass by them? Why would Jesus, they're afraid, they're in the boat, they're struggling and Jesus is there, he's their, he's their mentor, their leader. Why would he want to just pass them by? Of course, the phrase doesn't mean that. Uh, if we look uh, deep into Scripture, into the meaning of words and phrases, we can find our answer where that comes up in other times. In Exodus, Moses uh, comes down from the mountain after being in the presence of God and they've got a golden calf and he gets cross and he crashes the, the Ten Commandments and he's, and he's having a dialogue with the Lord. He's saying, Lord, if you're really God, if you've really called me to this, like show me something, show me your glory. Show me your presence. Show me your realness. 
And it says uh, in Exodus 33, and the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence when my glory passes by. In other words, when my presence is revealed, when my wonder, when my awe, when who I really am is shown to be there, when you experience me in all my majesty. That's what pass by means. And then I found it. Guess where? Back to our prophet Elijah. After he, he wins the contest uh, on Mount Carmel, he then uh, runs away in fear of his life and is hiding in a cave. And he's calling out to the Lord. And in, in 1 Kings 19, the Lord said to Elijah, go stand in front of me on the mountain and I will pass by you. So when Jesus says, he intended to pass them by. What he's saying is, I, de- I intend to declare who I really am. I, do- I want to show them my power. I want to show them my majesty. I want to show them my glory. I want to reveal to them and I want to let them experience me in a way that is undeniable, in a way that they go, oh, the Lord, he is God. And it doesn't matter about my storms in life. It doesn't matter about my comfort anymore. I've got my eyes on him. And I yearn for more and more deeper intimacy, more deeper relationship. Man, I want the Lord to pass me by every day. I want us as a church, when we come and worship, when we pray, when we declare who he is, for the Lord to pass us by for him to be real and tangible in our midst, for the Holy Spirit to be at work amongst us, talking to us. You know, for the prophet Elijah, he, he, he was expecting God to, to move and there was an earthquake, there was a violent wind, there was a fire. You know what? God wasn't in any of those things. You know what he was in? He was in a whisper. I think sometimes we're in our boats and everything's loud and everything's rocking and we're not ever still enough to hear the sweet whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to us. He wants to talk to every one of our hearts this morning. He wants to whisper. He wants to pass us by. He wants to reveal himself in a way that is undeniable, that is going to make us walk out of here changed and different than when we came in. Why? Because we experienced his presence. Because we experienced his presence. I'm going to invite uh, the musicians up now. As I was thinking and and, uh, preparing this morning, my YouTube algorithm, algorithms <laughs> uh, gave me a song. You know, if you listen to worship music on YouTube, then they come up on the front of it. And a, a new song, well, it's actually an old song that I'd never come across before, came up. I just felt like this song just had to be sung this morning. It says, Lord, I need you. 
oh, how I need you. And I don't know where each and every one of you are at this morning, but I know I need the Lord today. Like Dan, I've had a pretty rough week. And I don't know what your weeks are like. I don't know what's facing your future. I don't know what's in your world right now. But if we just go out of here in our safety boats, in the general life that we know and that we are controlling and that we're comfortable with, then we're missing an opportunity to actually step into something that we can't get anywhere else. And that is to really experience God's presence, him speaking to us, that sweet whisper. What, are the, what is the Lord saying to you this morning? What is he calling to you, you to? What does he want to encourage you in? How does the Holy Spirit want to comfort you? As your storms are raging all around you, as you are struggling in your boat. And Jesus says, come, step out of that. Maybe step out of your chair. (laughs) Come to me and experience something that you'll never get without him, without him intending to pass you by, revealing himself as a loving friend, as the one who takes our burdens, as the one who comforts us, the one who spurs us on to greatness. We're going to just sing this song. I encourage you to just stay seated. You might want to close your eyes. You might want to look at the words. You might want to actually turn all that off and just listen to the Lord. I want to pray and I just want to just like Elijah did. Pray that you will come to know Jesus more this morning. That you will experience him in a new way that is undeniable, is unquestionable, that you can say, wow, there's something genuine, there's something real there. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're here with us. We thank you that it is your intention to pass us by today. For you, for your presence to be here in a tangible way that would sense you and fuel you. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move amongst us. And Lord, as we quieten ourselves, as we listen to the the words of this song, as we are aware of everything that rages around us. Lord, help us to let go of those things that we control. Help us to know that we are human just like Elijah. But Elijah prayed, and because you are who you are, you created an experience. You created a reality that changed hearts, and we pray for that this morning. We pray for every heart to be changed from a little bit to a lot, for Lord, for you to have your way amongst us. So would you come and move amongst us now, Lord Jesus, as we are still, as we are still, Lord, speak in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank you, Jesus, that you are our Lord and we do need you. And if Elijah was just like us, it must be your power that gives us any ability in this life. And we just thank you for it. Mm, Bless you, Jesus. Amen. Folks, if you need prayer this morning, we have our prayer room out the back, but the team here would love to pray with you as well. Um, Just thank you so much for joining us. But that wraps up our our service this morning. Um, We've got coffee out the back, and I just love you to stay and fellowship with each other. Thanks a lot.